everyone. Welcome to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chong. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. It's hard to imagine how time is flying. It's only been a year since I landed in China since the pandemic started. I remember flying into Xiamen and quarantining for two weeks before being able to fly back to Zhuhai. Uh, I just had an exhibition opening one week ago, which went okay. It was nice to see people come out and be able to see my own work in a gallery space outside of my head and outside of my computer. I felt kind of relieved after and was able to relax a bit. Now I'm back to documenting and working on new projects. Gotta keep moving. Anyway, for this week, I have the amazing Ashanti McGee, an artist and arts advocate who has been living in Las Vegas for over 25 years. Ashanti began working in the arts through grant writing and has since been part of West Staff's Emerging Leaders of Color program and most recently served as a district representative for Nevada Congresswoman Susie Lee, focusing on outreach for Black, Native American, and LGBTQ plus communities around arts and culture and environment and public lands. A proud mother of four, Ashanti has committed her work to updating arts education standards for the Nevada Department of Education, serving as a board member for Cultural Alliance of Nevada, co-founding the Las Vegas Women of Color Arts Festival, and acting as a core member of Nuwu Cultural Arts and Activism Complex. She also just curated a common thread at the Barrick Museum of Art at the University of Nevada, an exhibition celebrating women of color textile artists. I got to talk with Ashanti about many of these amazing activities, along with the importance of finding support in the arts while finding rest for yourself. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this. I know you've been busy these past few weeks, and uh, what exactly have you been, you know, up to? Um, let's see. So I I was working in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives for Congresswoman Susie Lee of Nevada, and I had been working there for about two and a half years. I just recently accepted a new position at Westaff in August, and that's um, Western States Arts Federation. So that's been a lot of what I've been doing. In addition to that, taking care of kids, trying to get them back into some sort of school. <laughs> What's the deal with school? Is it is are they, are they able to return or? They, they've returned. So it was, you know, managing for children during the pandemic. Yeah. Let's say the youngest one was in first grade at the time. Uh-huh. And then I had a seat high school so it was like <laughs> it's like just that's, juggling that's quite a range quite a range of emotions <laughs> and <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah so I we were dealing with one child who just needed hand holding and, and yeah. making sure that we're like okay you need to learn you know make sure that you're you're learning how to read and you know while juggling so much of just you know, just dealing with everything that's, that was happening in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. And there were, there were a lot of challenging things at work that I had to, to take care of. 
And then with them, they were able to go back to school full time, but it's it's just been trying to get reacclimated. Yeah. Yeah. And so my daughter's out of high school now. So she's so like there's there's less of a demand on that. But yeah, it's still challenging. Yeah, I can only imagine uh, four kids stuck in a house for uh, over a year. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm really curious about your work for the U.S. House of Representatives. But before we go into that, I was curious, you know, can you uh, walk us through sort of, you know, how you got to where you were? I know you were born in Alabama, right? And then at some point you spent a lot of your years in Las Vegas. You know, what was it like growing up in Alabama? And then sort of how did you end up in Vegas? So I I hadn't lived very long in Alabama. Um, I was born at Tuskegee Institute. So it's a very prominent HBCU, historically Mm -hmm. Black Yep. And mm-hmm. I was born on the campus, <laughs> but I was only there for about two years. So I okay. went back to my mom's hometown of Philadelphia well, city. Yeah. And my father's from New Jersey. So I would travel back and forth to New Jersey and Philadelphia for a lot of my childhood for up to about maybe about six years old. And then after that, um, around seven, I moved to Germany. So my, my father's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you speak father, German? Addition, uh, yeah, just just a little bit. It, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I I learned a lot of the phonetics, so. A lot of times, if I do speak the the little German that I still know, yeah, well, people tell me they're like, "You you you spoke that really really well." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. they'll, and then they'll try to proceed. You got the umlauts well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they'll try to proceed with like speaking more, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'll. <laughs> I, I need to take more classes again or, or just go back to Germany for a little bit. Yeah. So I was there for about three and a half, four years. So a lot of my formative years are are kind of influenced in like German culture. And, and so I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, yeah, and where were, where were you in Germany? I was in uh, Rammstein. So it was um, okay. West, Western Germany. Yeah. So over by not too far from Frankfurt. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so that's, you know, it's not something that that usually comes up in conversation, but I, I think a lot of it is, there's a lot of nuances or and, and just influences. And I think my perspectives and, and maybe even a little bit of my art, you know, that has some kind of influence of, of that childhood. Yeah. And, you, and your, your dad brought you there because? Um, he was in the military, civil engineer, and um yeah, so it was just something that yeah. you know, you just have to go and yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. thankful for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a beautiful, beautiful place to grow up, you know. And and I know that he went through some rough a rough patch during that time. So I'm I'm really mm. thankful that he, he just really allowed me to uh to spend my my youth yeah. there. So yeah. yeah. And then after Germany, what happened? After Germany, he received orders to go to Las Vegas. So Mm, we ended up, we went back to Philadelphia and and did like a cross country trip. That's fun. Going back into the South. As as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had had really fun adventures. We went all the way through the South back to Tuskegee. That was the first time of me going back to to the campus and to my home. Your place of birth. Yeah. And that was, that was really lovely. And then we came to Las Vegas at, let's see, in July. Yeah. After living in Germany. And so that was, that was a little 
bit of a shock. It was, it was really, really hot. <laughs> and how, how old were you at that point? Um, I was either 10 or 11. No, I think it was like 11, 11, maybe going on 12 because I was going into middle school. I had finished all of my, all of my elementary school. Yeah. Lots, lot, also lots of, um, emotions and feelings during that time as well. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big transition because, you know, I, I had grown up in, it's not quite military schools, but, but schools that the military provided and then, mm. and then went to Las Vegas and it was, <laughs> uh, to put it plainly, my, my middle school was basically, um, it was, it was a rough middle school and, um, uh-huh. the, the street behind my middle school to, to give you some perspective, the street behind my middle school was featured in an episode of gangland. Okay. All right. So I came, <laughs> yeah, I came to Las Vegas in, in the nineties, mid nineties. And, mm-hmm. and it was during the height of, of a lot of gang activity, you know, and I'm just like this green straight lace kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just fresh from <laughs> Germany. <laughs> just fresh from Germany. Yeah. And then, you know, just kind of being dropped in the middle of like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you've, and you've been there ever since, right? And I've been here ever since. <laughs> and so I guess, so I guess in Las Vegas, were you, you know, doing arts? Were you also doing art in Germany? You know, how did you end up getting the interest in the arts? My father would draw and, and it was just something that, that I was always doing. Mm. There would be times where I would just draw while you know, everything else was going on around me. And, and being in Germany, there's, there's a lot of rain and there's some days where it's just, you know, way too rainy or, <laughs> <laughs> or too cold to go outside and so I'd spend spend that time drawing mm. so I, I did I just did a lot of drawing and when I first got to Las Vegas the the middle school that I went to didn't have an art class and mm. it was just something I absolutely longed for and and I had already started playing trumpet in fifth grade so I decided to take up band and I ended up going into band and it was taught by this rat pack era bass okay. trombonist. Okay. <laughs> and and so I actually took up music and focused on music for, for a good three years. And then eighth grade, okay. yeah, eighth grade they had art and I couldn't take it because my band teacher really wanted me to continue playing. So um mm-hmm. But after all of that, I, I ended up going to um, Las Vegas Academy, which is a, um, a visual and performing arts school in Las Vegas and continued with art there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you ended up going to UNLV, as I saw, for uh, education mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah. You know, how did you how did you end up deciding you want to get an education? And then were you also continuing your, your art while you were in UNLV? Yes. So I felt like I always wanted to be a teacher. And it was just something that I knew by like fifth or sixth grade that I was going to be a teacher. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it was very studious and very focused and mm-hmm. I determined that I was going to go to college and go, go back to Tuskegee and major in education. By the way, I don't think there was like an education major <laughs> there at the time, okay. Okay. but, um, but yeah, I just had like this, this plan, but Instead, I went over to UNLV, started education, and probably midway, I, I realized that it really wasn't for me. Hmm. And, and I was simultaneously working and just learning visual arts and painting, as well as uh, some sciences. And so, it's really like yeah, liberal so, arts sort of education. 
Yeah, yeah, a little more liberal arts. Um, I do have some underlying like love for the sciences and um, yeah, but but either way, I, I just never finished. So I've got like a junior standing in college, but. <laughs> so so that, yeah. so what yeah. happened? So what what happened junior year? Um, for junior year, I was able to. That's kind of like a culmination of of several different classes that I've taken over over the years, but I'd say that I probably stopped midway in sophomore year. Okay. I had gotten pregnant with my daughter. So okay. that was, and it was just, it was just really difficult to go back to school and juggle and, and just a lot of things in my personal life just really made it really difficult to go back. And so yeah. I've tried several times going back and, um, you know, just kind of resolved that like eventually maybe I'll go back. If I do go back, I'll probably major in into some sciences probably geology or earth science so yeah yeah so most of the work that i was able to find and that i'm interested in and i'm curious how you got into that was i know you um like you briefly said earlier you worked at for the u.s house of representatives um you were also a on the cultural alliance nevada the board of that (laughs) and you also part of the western state arts federation for the emerging leaders of color so between you know you know, at UNLV and then all these amazing things you're doing, you know, how did you get into that? And then also, if you could help me understand exactly what the U.S. House of Representatives <laughs> does. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see. So how, how I got started, I think I was always involved in doing something in the community. And I started, started I guess, like more of my professional art work and, and just like administrative work working, well, volunteering at Blackbird Studios, which was this community gallery downtown years ago. And um, my partner was working on an art show and ended up writing a grant, ended up receiving, you know, getting funded, fully funded for this grant. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, you know what, maybe I'm okay at writing grants, (laughs) you know, or at least just kind of, you know, do at at least I, I understand writing grants at least a little bit. Yeah. And so I pursued that and started working with other artists, other arts organizations. Mm-hmm. And there's a term called accidental arts administrators. And so I, I definitely fall into that category <laughs> or it's just um, people who That's like. an amazing term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, people people who like or, or can tolerate paperwork enough to keep organizations and artists, yeah, yeah. you know, Moving. On the flip and side, so, there's accidental arts administrators who hate their job. Yes, yes. And and yeah, to where you're just like, I have to do this because <laughs> nobody else is going to. And there's been times there's, <laughs> there's been times where I've I've been in that category too, where I'm just like, why? Um <laughs> but, but nobody else is doing this. So so I have to. And and through both of those experiences, I, I think, you know, just I just continued doing a lot of volunteer work volunteering for the Contemporary Arts Center and for the Harrison House, which is a cultural house. But yeah, a lot of a lot of it was just influencing and learning. And I had some opportunities with like Metro Arts Council and writing grants for them. And I, I just I really wanted to do my part in just trying to get artists more recognition and yeah. uh, arts organizations that were doing phenomenal work. Yeah, yeah. A little more, a little more support. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I got started. And so it was just, 
if there was a need and I was able to, to be there, then yeah, I was, I was definitely there. Yeah. West staff, a lot of that work, that work began, I think I was over at Metro Arts at the time and Chrissy Deal, who is one of my teachers and and mentors at West staff. uh, She told me recently, she was like, I was looking for you. (laughs) So I guess she had seen a lot of my, a lot of the work that I was doing in writing. Yeah. Yeah. And so she, because they, they were looking for an, a representative to represent Nevada for the emerging leaders of color. Yeah. And it was a cohort that they had started, I believe, in 2010 and mm-hmm. wanted to find a Nevada representative. And I started working with them. And it was an incredible experience. I was I had just had my son. And, and they, they require like a three-day workshop where they fly yeah. you out to Denver and you meet with 13 other representatives that, that are doing amazing work in their community. All within Nevada? This is just within Nevada? No, this is, this is throughout Western states. So I was just one, oh. I was the one representative for Nevada and, oh, and it was okay. 12 other people that were coming in, all people of color and doing and dealing with some really, you know, really challenging work wow. and, and representing their communities. And so it was just really mind blowing. And like I said, I, I had just had my son at the time and thought to myself, you know, just knowing a lot of organizations and corporations, yeah, you know, yeah. I've, got this, I've got this four to six month year old baby and they want me to come yeah, out yeah, to yeah. this conference like how am I going to do this because I was still nursing him at the time and they said no bring him bring him Hmm. and it just (laughs) took me aback and and so did you try you drove or you flew then um they they flew me out and myself and my partner had and and our child had gone to Denver and there was another woman with a baby and so Hmm. it was just you know, they, they came in and, and they just said, you know, whatever you need, yeah. you know, we're here. Wow. And there were all of these moms that, that had come in and folks that had come in and, you know, just helped me take care of this baby. And it was one of the first times that I had really experienced in like a larger scale for like a, a large organization because they're, they're a huge organization. But it was the first time that I had felt kind of like some of the components of liberatory work. And just and knowing from a lot of communities of color and a lot of grassroots organizations, being able to have your children, you know, you have to have a space, right, right. You know, you're still doing the work, but you still need to allow your kids to just be kids, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of what you're doing, and so they had just given me so much care mm-hmm. and consideration, yeah, yeah. And just knowing that this was part of my life at the time. Yeah. And and not just simply acknowledging that was just absolutely incredible. And I think that, you know, that definitely influenced the way that I engaged with a lot of things. And, and even with some of the boards that I was on, you know, they were very open to me just having children. And yeah. and that was a a big part of, you know, just understanding that a lot of the work that I'm doing, you know, there's yeah. some times where I can't have my kids there, but for a lot of the work, they're they're gonna be there. <laughs> Yeah. So can you tell me a bit more about Westaf? Um, Like how, how do they go about, I guess, tackling these problems? What are the actual problems that they want to tackle? What have you learned, I guess, as someone who's representing, you know, an entire community or an entire state to kind of solidify, consolidate all these different issues in a way that is some way, you know, as fair as one person can do for, you know, a wide range of different needs and, and, um, 
Yeah. So I'm I'm still learning about the organization, although I've I've kind of I guess kind of been courting for like since 2014. <laughs> but um, Westaf is a, a regional arts organization. They represent 13 states in the Western United States. So that's Hawaii and um, Alaska included. Okay. And so their purpose is to assist with arts, like state arts agencies, you know, providing resources for them, providing opportunities for arts organizations yeah. and creating granting providing granting for, for those organizations and, and states. But the, the work that I had been doing with West Staff previously was working as an emerging leader of color. And so there was a, a cohort, usually every year, of, of new individuals. Um, and I think we've had, we have like about 110 members now who have gone through the, the cohort program. And their focus was to really identify challenges that were going on in the arts community, because as you probably know, people of color in the arts, it's, it's still, you know, there's not a lot of us there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially um, a lot of times we experience a lot of challenges that, you know, that, that aren't really talked about and, and then especially there's a lot of times where we're in these new roles and especially leadership roles that other people of color have not been in the room for and yeah. really trying to learn how to navigate it, you know, navigating granting, what does granting look like in, in these areas? And so there's a lot of that, that discussion about that work. And I'm, I'm really excited to be part of, of continuing that. Yeah, but they they go, they work with everything from policy, working with the federal government, and sending information, and working and advocating for artists and arts organizations as well. So yeah, so yeah, it's it's a lot of work, and I'm just recently met I think all of the staff there, and it's an yeah. incredible group of people. But yeah, and and they just have a big focus on rural arts as well as you know rural communities as well as communities of color, and so it's yeah. it's just yeah been a lot of learning i'm sure yeah and I guess, as, as you said each year they have um, a new cohort so during your year there is this more like a training program or are you actually assigned a task or how, how does it sort of work so it was it was 13 of us and you know we talked about our background it was a lot of training so for example one of the discussions that really stuck with me was like when to accept a grant especially if it's from a you know maybe a corporation that that has had some mm. some ties in yeah yeah you know that's amazing that they're talking about that in 2014. Yeah, yeah. So they're still talking about it now. Oh yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, just really discussing the effects of certain organizations or certain groups that that can really, you know, damage a lot of our communities, or maybe finding ways to partner with organizations that are looking towards, you know, decolonizing or even just practicing liberation, practicing just making people's lives better. And sometimes, um, and a lot of times that really tends to have a, um, you know, you have to have more of a magnifying glass and you have to be looking and, mm -hmm. and listening to these organizations and to these communities, you know, if you really truly want to make a difference. And I think that even now, and even within Las Vegas, there's so, so little of that, you know, there's a lot of performative work. There's a lot of mm -hmm. talking and saying a lot of those things, but what, what does it actually look like to be involved with 
a community and actually engage in change and mm-hmm. promote change and give way to it. So, yeah. yeah. So, and then from there, how did you become part of the U.S. House of Representatives? What made you want to, I guess, do that? And, you know, how did you get there? Um, absolutely. So I was actually contacted. <laughs> One of my friends had recommended me and I, I truly, truly thank them had recommended me to be part of this team. And it was a, like a freshman team. So we were all starting from scratch and I had no idea what this job like really looked like. Wait, um, did you have to be elected or is this a different? This, no, um, but, but this was a, a team where they were selecting people. And so okay. it was the Congresswoman had never had been in office. And so you usually have to put a team together in order to get things started. So yeah, so that was kind of how we got started. And yeah, so I guess they liked my background and decided to hire me, which I'm incredibly thankful for. And and yeah, uh, working for the House of Representatives. So it's, it's um, basically working particularly for a congressional person, um, a congressperson. And learning to find out what's going on in the community. And I I worked as a district representative. So I was still in Las Vegas and my job was to basically do a lot of outreach, learning about the community, Mm. learning about different groups that maybe I'm not aware of, or the, and especially, you know, the Congresswoman wasn't aware of and taking that time to get to know the community, learn about what their needs are and, to our best uh, of our ability, try to make sure that those needs are, or at least, or at least vocalized and understood yeah. and, and trying to find ways that, that we could connect, you know, and, and at certain times there were times where if there was a, like maybe a piece of legislation that needed to be passed or that they wanted the support of the Congresswoman, there would be times where we would, you know, have meetings and, and talk yeah. and discuss and see if those, those were things that, that she could support, you know, if, if there were certain things that, that she couldn't support. So it was, it was a lot of that. And then there was also casework where we're working to assist with people with dealing with federal issues. So it was everything from Department of Education to immigration veterans, which wasn't something that I really focused on. And yeah, it was a lot of extremely, extremely fulfilling, but extremely challenging work. And especially during everything that that had gone on in the past two years. Yeah. And so during this time, are you also still part of the Cultural Alliance in Nevada and doing the other types of community outreach? Or has that switched over to fully the U.S. House of Representatives job? Um, I was doing some of that work. And I thank them for being so incredibly gracious because that took the majority of my time, you know, so I would try to work as much as I could in in nonprofit and um, advocacy spheres. But I know that there was only so much that I was able to do, but still working with Cultural Alliance of Nevada, and they're doing some incredible work right now. And um, I think they're having a retreat, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> experiencing a little a little little bit of FOMO this weekend but, yeah but I've, I, I have since left the organization because of conflict of interest with with West App so oh really because they, oh, okay. they, yeah yeah they receive funding and from West Staff and so that's one of the things that West Staff does is support arts advocacy in in different states so I see, I see. 
So I guess, you know, you've worked in all these different types of community building. So in all these different situations, I guess, what is something that you learned that you didn't quite expect to learn in the process? What is something that you took away that you would like to tell people who are interested in community building that they should know about or think about in the process or just things that you found that was really eye-opening? Ooh. <laughs> um, honestly, I would, this, this has been the work that I've been thinking about a lot lately and it's rest. It's, it's rest. Rest. Yeah. 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 I think that grassroots organizations and especially communities of color, there's always something to do. There's always something to take care of. And I think that the past few years of my life, I was really pushed. I mean, honestly, to to an unhealthy point, pushed to the point to where I couldn't do it anymore. It was just, it was just too much. And I think, you know, we live in a society that focuses so much on results and performance and making sure that things are even better than what they were before. And, you know, now at times it's even with less people, you know, you have, you have businesses that are like cutting jobs, you know, cutting positions and having less people do more of the work. (laughs) So yeah, I'd I'd say that rest is so incredibly important. And I think that we haven't valued it as much, or I'll say that I haven't valued it as much. And I think that it's also coming from a place of where I felt that I really had to do, you know, there were a lot of times where I didn't have like a full-time job. And so it was just, let's see how much I can try to take care of and I need to make money. So, yeah, I I think where we can get rest, providing spaces of rest, providing spaces for us to be ourselves and to create, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And I think that with working for West Staff, I've got a lot more time to myself and to be myself and to create. And I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Rest is important. I think there's someone once told me you need to retreat to treat, you know, to to be able Mm -hmm. to actually do things for others. And yeah, I think, I think, I mean, we were talking about earlier about not just, I mean, we're talking about the art in general and how you need time to make art, but I think you need time for everything, right? To fully devote yourself and allow for something to happen, to allow your brain to kind of not be on autopilot, right? Absolutely. And, you know, there would be times where I would find myself thinking I was resting. <laughs> and but you're on your phone? <laughs> well, no, not even that. You know, there's been a couple of instances where the house has been quiet, everybody's gone. Yeah. And then I've sat in one spot for like an hour and a half and and just kind of come to my senses. Like, but I think it's like coming out of autopilot. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, that's not even rest. It's you just kind of disengaging with everything that's just been running. (laughs) And so, yeah. And that's one thing that I've realized is that you have to get past even that, you know, you have to get past the, yeah. the time where you're like, okay, my phone is not on, you know, there's, there's no phone calls. I'm, I'm just kind of sitting here. I'm kind of uncomfortable because <laughs> I should be doing something. You need to get yeah, past yeah. that, get past that. Yeah. And then just actually be able to enjoy. So that's, <laughs> that's my recommendation. And that, and I've, and I've heard multiple times with people where they're like, and especially for parents, I, I just left, you know, all the kids left, everybody left and it's quiet and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I've told people, okay, sit through that, sit through that, (laughs) embrace it, experience it. And then once you realize like, that's what it is, 
then you can move forward to maybe doing something that that you enjoy, maybe reading a book or something. Yeah. 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 You know, I hope you're also getting enough rest because like, you know, you also had that show, A Common Thread, <laughs> which is a group show on, tech, as I understand, textiles mm -hmm. primarily and also the different types of textiles, what they mean from a personal expression, all these different cultural ways to look at textiles and also textiles is a form of, you know, community, community building and the way that textiles sort of exist in the community. So I guess, can you tell me like a bit about how that show came to be? Uh, you know, how you found the time to do that as well? And then what drew you to textiles? Oh, goodness. Um, how that came to be. My my grandmother, she died a couple of years ago. And I was actually asked by um, the organization that I, I co-founded, uh, Women of Color, Las Vegas Women of Color Arts Festival, mm -hmm. to participate. And we, we were doing several different arts exhibitions where we featured artists of color, artists, women mm -hmm. of color. And yeah, they had asked me, you know, you should curate. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I think this is like my second time curating. And um, well, we all start somewhere, right? We all start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you, you read those stories of people in Soho, New York, and they're just like a bunch of dudes just like, oh, let's just put on a show. <laughs> yeah. Know? And then they became yeah. these multi-million dollar galleries. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's, that's, I didn't want to say no. Yeah. And I think I, I was also dealing with a lot at work and in my personal life to where it was just, I needed an outlet. Mm -hmm. And so the Marjorie Barrick Museum, Alicia Curlin, who's the executive director, her team had been incredible. So they worked with me in what I was able to give and what I was able to do. And so it had been a course of, of several months of just finding artists and incredibly thankful for all of the artists and other curators. Um, I was reaching out to a lot of people and they were just sending me all kinds of incredible people. And so it was just several months of that going back and forth. And I think we had about 20 artists that we were thinking of and had to kind of whittle that down. And so we decided on nine women textile artists and mm -hmm. um, yeah that's that's kind of how the exhibition came to be yeah and then what did what you learn in this process of, of curating the show and you know what was the reception for the show oh my goodness uh the reception was just overwhelming I'm incredibly thankful and grateful and and it's just been it's been really humbling and and simultaneously really empowering there's one thing that I learned was care. So with, with me, and I, I've already realized that at least curatorial style that I enjoy, at least at this present moment, involves more well-seasoned artists with a lot of emerging artists. And I like putting people together, having people together in, in those backgrounds, because I feel that there's so much to learn from both. Mm -hmm. There's this understanding and it's also this connection and, and, and networking. It's refreshing and, and bringing new things to artists that have been well into their practice. And I think that there's something beautiful when you meet emerging artists and artists that aren't quite sure of, of what they're doing and, mm -hmm. and being able to give them an opportunity to exhibit. I, I just, I like bringing people together and I like bringing ideas and concepts together, putting people in places that maybe uh, they haven't been before. Yeah. And so that was 
something that I really, really enjoy just seeing these artists work with each other and admire each other's work yeah. at, at different phases. So we, I had a couple of artists that had never shown in a museum before. Mm-hmm. And then we also had an artist who is in our 60s mm-hmm. in the exhibition. And so I think that crossing those lines and making sure that like that's how I like to create community. Yeah. I mean, and the way that you're talking about it is a sort of community building. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, you can tell from your description, it's sort of like, it's more about the community that's being built and then the, the connections that are being built, not just from an artistic level, but from a personal level and from an interhuman sort of relationship level. Absolutely. And and I wish that we could have done so much more. And I know that with the pandemic, everything just kind of, yeah, and just, <laughs> just so much going on, it we weren't able to do as much as, as I think that we, we may have wanted. You mean like in terms of programming? In, in terms of programming, I would have loved to to have everybody in a space or, you know, create those spaces where we could do a little more community building. But yeah. I think that we did a pretty good job in, in doing that. There were, let's see, Tiffany Lynn had kind of a sewing circle. And, mm-hmm. and for the closing exhibition, there's like three to five of us working on this parachute that is draped over one of the or one of the scaffolds of the exhibition and then we're all sewing. So that was something that was really beautiful. But I'd say overall it was just the care. I'm incredibly thankful for the artists entrusting me and letting their work speak. And then I'm also just I think it's just really profound just being able to spend time with learning about these artists and and about the work and about just their experiences. And so it's just something that as a growing curator, as a burgeoning curator, I'm incredibly thankful for. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, just like kind of what you were doing with the work at Westaff and the Cultural Alliance in Nevada, sort of like a lot of these instances are just sort of like allowing people to have the opportunity to do things. Right. Yeah. And and Absolutely. also allowing people that they can do things. Right. And having the, the space and support uh, to allow for these experimentations. Um, you briefly mentioned that you were encouraged by what was a woman of color in Las Vegas, Nevada, that you co-founded. Yeah, and if you could, you know, talk about, about, you know, how that started, did that kind of come from all your work from Westaf or was it something else? And what's it been like starting your own organization? Goodness, um, I'd say that it, its inception was more the start of from Elizabeth Nelson, okay. and she's a uh, performance artist, uh, clown, okay. and and dear friend. And it was in her reaction to so there's in in the performing arts field out here in Las Vegas, and especially on the Strip, there have been very little performing artists, and you know mm. there's there's some space for like music and like usually the music sphere, there's still some representation, but I think in theater and and performance art, there really virtually wasn't. And she was one of the few people of color and women of color on the strip performing. And there were a lot of challenges and barriers that, that she was dealing with. And I know that she wanted to create an outlet for women of color to kind of come together and learn and grow. And so she reached out to me and a few other people, Vaughn Douglas, Lance Smith, Jen Clevin, I I believe as well. But she reached out looking to work on this organization and this festival, really. Mm. And the first year, 
um, was absolutely phenomenal. I was working a lot, so I couldn't really attend a lot of things, which tend to be (laughs) tend to be what usually happens in my life. But from what I saw and what I did experience, it was just absolutely incredible. And there was a lot of discussions and opportunities for artists to be creative. There was a zine making, you know, performances and workshops. And we had started that, that festival happened right before the pandemic. We were ready to take off and do more things. The pandemic happened and then we decided to try to focus, you know, what what could we do during this time? And having an arts exhibition made sense. And so mm. there were several arts exhibitions that we had supported in, in partnership with the Marjorie Barrick Museum and promoting women artists of color, you know, femme artists of color in these spaces and having an opportunity to to create something for them yeah. and for yeah. them. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, that's also, yeah, that was just really, really important. And I'm I'm so thankful to be part of that work. Yeah. You know, what do you have planned moving forward? I feel, yeah. I feel like you keep talking about rest, but I feel like you've got all of these different things just waiting to come out. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm trying to take a lot of things in stride, you know, really focusing on, on my job and focusing on, you know, focusing on my family, really. But there's there's also <laughs> my partner and I have a gallery called a Mesa Gallery at New Woo Studio Studios. The, oh, 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 as part of Von Douglas's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we have a gallery there, and so we're working on presenting some work. I'm hoping to do a solo show. Hoping. Okay. <laughs> there's been a couple of organizations that have asked me to be on their board. And I wasn't able to in the past. And so I'm doing some of that. Yeah. One is Africa Diaspora of Las Vegas. So it's um, the African population out here in Las Vegas uh, are still having trouble acclimating, or at least some groups and especially immigrants coming to the United States. And and so I'm, I'm working with them on their board and trying to work on providing resources. And we're mm-hmm. really focused on education. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. And then the Giovanni Melton Foundation, working with that organization. And that was created by a mother of a gay son who was mm-hmm. unfortunately killed by his father. And so there's so many other organizations that I'd like to be able to, to work with, but I'm, I'm currently working with them and trying to create opportunities and, and mm-hmm. awareness, build awareness for a lot of different things that are, that may not really be on a lot of people's radar. And so I'm, I'm yeah. looking to, to do some of that work and I'm, I'm going to see how much I can, I can actually do <laughs> and, <laughs> and just help wherever I can um, while, yeah. while doing rest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope it all goes well. And yeah, is there anything that I miss? Any kind of promotion you want to do, or goodness, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram. I'm um, Ashante underscore McGee seven. That's my personal Instagram, and then um, I'm I've got my artist Instagram, and that's uh, the GB seven. So the, the okay. G E E B E E seven. Uh huh. Okay. And um, hopefully creating some artwork so that I can put on uh, like the inverse of BGs. Um, it's actually my my nickname. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. It's it's my nickname from my uncle who's who's a strange character. Okay. So yeah, and I. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I think it's just, I'm still, I still have a lot of things kind of brewing as far as artwork's concerned. What have you been working on? Working on some textile work, uh-huh. some sewing, a uh-huh. little bit of sculpture, but nothing completely formed yet. And I'd like to get into some video work again. So yeah, those are things that I'm just playing with that I'm hoping that I can, hope that I can kind of get into. Yeah. And I'm, I'm loving your work and I'm loving what you're doing. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to, to see more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just, I guess you can keep listening and hopefully we'll be able to meet when I eventually get to be able to go to Vegas, check out your, your gallery, the Mesa gallery, but yeah, thank you so much for, you know, being part of the podcast and waking up at 5.00 AM to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm really excited to see also the work that you'll, you'll be doing future you know i hope you can find the time to eventually have that solo show um and also all the different av- arts advocacy that you've been doing so again thank you so much and um yeah have a wonderful day thank you you as well take care take care seeing color is recorded edited and produced by myself Si one chung additional help with editing by Tokyo Home and Mandy Tong. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show and have the time, I'd appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.